Today's episode of Star Wars Bookworms is brought to you by Tops. Take a journey across the Star Wars saga with a sneak peek at Star Wars The Last Jedi by visiting Tops.com to pick up an incredible selection of Star Wars trading cards today. For even more collecting fun, download the Star Wars Card Trader app, where you can collect and trade cards from 1977 to The Last Jedi. The entire Star Wars galaxy is in the palm of your hand. Download for free now in the App Store or Google Play. Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Star Wars Bookworms. Enjoy! Even men like Talon Card occasionally make mistakes. This is the Chimera. Launch the attack. Time to go to work. You won't let me get killed, will you? Is that what I was supposed to be doing here? I should have brought my lightsaber. So there's new Lego sets out, and one of the ones I really want is the Resistance Transport Pod, because there's a Rose minifig, and it's cool again. I have that set. You do? Yeah, I'm right in the middle of the building, actually, sitting on my desk at work. Oh, well, look at you, Mr. I Can Build Legos at Work. (laughs) I actually can't. That's why it's been sitting there since Force Friday. Oh. (laughs) I bought it. I bought the set on Force Friday, and I have built, I think it's a three-bag set. I've built one of the three bags. Mm. So I have decided that I am going to ask for the BB-8, the, like, the full size, like the the 11, 1100 pieces set seven five one eight seven. Yeah. Can you tell I'm looking at my my Christmas Lego book <laughs> <laughs> right now that I get in the mail? It's like super thick. Yeah, I want to ask for that for Christmas because it has the hatch where his like little torch thing comes out of it, you know, mm-hmm. and like his head turns and yeah, it's just freaking cool. That's and like I a. Want it. Nine inches high and five inches wide. Yes, please. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, that's one set that I definitely would like to get. I don't know if I will. It's like a hundred dollars, I think. That's um, nothing in Lego. Well, I know, terms. but still, um, I I like the set though, and I I think it's cool that it comes with like a BB-8 minifig as well, so you you can build like full size BB-8 and then you have a little minifig too. Yeah, you know. Have you ever thought about getting one of these buildable figures? I have actually gotten a few of them. Really? General I don't Grievous. pay attention to what you do anymore. I don't yeah. know if you can tell. <laughs> I got General Grievous, which was a cool one. I got Obi-Wan. Um, but I've realized that I like the non-human ones better than the human ones because the human mm. ones have kind of like a weird face. Yeah. So I think I think that's it, though. I think those are the only ones that I've gotten. And they're kind of hard they're more of a Technic type build than an actual Lego build, so it's a lot of like popping joints into sockets and pins, and so it's a little bit different than building a regular Lego set. So, yeah, they're okay. well. There's there's two sets I want, but they're older. The Republic fighter tank that has an Ala Secura. Yes. And then I do want the Arrowhead because you get Quarry and you get Xander, who's the best. So it's just kind of sad that you don't get you don't get like the whole family you just yeah. get Zandy. if you get the star scavenger set you get everybody yeah but i don't want the star scavenger yeah the arrowhead <laughs> is cool though it's a really cool build um but what was the other one you said the the tank with ala sakura that's actually a pretty new set yeah the republic fighter tank yeah that's another it's been one out like. for a little bit though yeah not that long though just a few months yeah but 
if I get anything Lego next, I, it's going to be the the advent calendar. Mm. The Star I Wars really, one? The Star Wars one, yeah. for sure. I've it's never really... done a Lego advent calendar. But they're I've cool. Always, I've they always sell out of them, though, so you have to get them early. So that's something that I need to get, like, now. Yeah. I would get the Lego City one, though. That one's cool. Yeah. I would even probably get the Lego Friends one, to be honest. <laughs> I'd get any of them. Just get them all. And just get them I'll all. I'll just, no, because they're $40 a piece. <laughs> so, <laughs> no. <laughs> but this is not a Lego show. You are listening to Star Wars Bookworms number 82. I'm Teresa Delgado, one of your hosts, and this is Aaron Goins. He's kind of awesome. He likes Lego stuff. Yes, Apparently I more than I, than I realized. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So we don't really have any news. There's no book news really floating around or anything. But Rebels has been on, and we have to talk about it. We have to talk about the moment. We can give a little bit of time to Rebels. Why not? There's a moment that happened. Oh. That was like what we've been waiting for. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it happened. The ca- hashtag. Yeah, and it, it, hashtag. Canera. Hashtag. Hashtag. Canera, hashtag they Space finally freaking kissed. Um, hashtag, what? I was thinking about it when I was watching the episode. And um, he's not dead. Like which was my. A, I feel like we should give a spoiler alert for people that haven't watched Rebels yet. Um, so that that was it. That was a spoiler alert. But, after. We yeah, told after you. we already. Said. <laughs> but yeah, I was thinking about it because they had they did the whole interrupted thing again. In the episode. Oh, I know. I was like, "Oh, come on!" Really? And I was like, "Really? Why does this keep happening?" Like in television and movies, when when characters, you know, you get interrupted, and then it's like, "Oh, well, we can't kiss now." Like, why wouldn't they just get interrupted and then quickly kiss before he they run off? You know, like, you know, it adds to the drama, I guess. It definitely adds to the drama. But Hera was the one that was like, "Come here." Yeah, she went in for it. She went. It was like a ninety ten. It's like a ninety ten. She went, in, she went in ninety. He went in ten. It's good though. It's good. Yeah, but Rebels has been really good. I'm, you know, I'm kind of sad that we're almost done for the first half of what we're gonna get. I mean, it's because we have two episodes at a time, but it's been really nice having two episode arcs sort of situation going on. I'm yeah, really like... it makes it like little mini movies, and it will go by fast. That's gonna be the downside of it, but it is nice to watch like a full, like forty minutes of of Rebels instead of twenty. But yeah. there's stuff in there for book. You know, this is a Star Wars bookworm, so there is a book connection because they brought in a character from Legends. Mm, yeah. Which was kind of cool. Rook. Rook. So, <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of an interesting introduction to that character. Um, and for people who have read that character in the Thrawn trilogy, um, definitely a. Uh, I'm. I would actually be curious to talk to people that have read the books to see how they feel a character was represented. Well, but you've read the books. I have, but I can't. I, mean, I can talk to myself. What do you think? I thought that it, he was a bit different than um, I remember him being portrayed in the books. Although it's been a long time since I've read them, in the books he was kind of more like this silent assassin, where he would just kind of show up and like kind of spook you out because you didn't realize he was standing right next to you. Oh, and nice. In the show, at least what we've seen so far, it's a little bit more kind of in your face. You know, he's like this brutal, you know, almost barbaric type character. So, but he's like a, he runs like a gorilla. Yeah, he just takes off across the field coming after you. I smell a sot. That's 
but, right, things he says. But cool though, very cool. So cool to see Thrawn and Rook in the show. It's now. cool because he's voiced by Warwick Davis, and that's all I need. Yeah, although he doesn't really sound at all like Warwick Davis. They did a lot of. That's modulation. because Warwick Davis is amazing. Okay. Well, that too. He's amazing. I think they did modulate the voice down a lot. I think that that's just how he decided to sound. Okay. <laughs> well, how did you like Rook? Um, I was like, man, go away. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't Mainly like him? <laughs> because, no, I liked him, but, but he was just getting in the way of stuff, you know? Like, I want the rebels to succeed. It's not, I'm not like this dark side person. I'm actually more of a light side person. I just happen to like darker force characters, okay? Oh, wait. It's not like I... You've just you've styled yourself as a dark side person many times, no, and now like, you're conflicting I that. I don't like imperial stuff. Oh, okay. I like the darker side of things. Yes. So you're more like Sith, dark side, but not necessarily imperial. Right. Okay. Yeah. And I, I just that. I want the rebels to succeed. They're my favorites. Yeah. Come on now. Good. Come on. That's good. Root for the good guys. Root for the good guys. So. I mean, I don't want to really spoil any everything, but there's Loth cats that are literally the best thing ever. Cooler than Loth they, wolves? I mean, no. But they're equally cool. But let's just talk about the Loth cats for a second. They are hilarious. They lick Zeb's head, and they just kind of, like, are completely domesticated almost. <laughs> <laughs> they remind me of my own cats following them around. And then when they need a diversion, they have this walk when Ezra and Sabine need a diversion. And they, like, stand up taller and fluff their tails up and, like, have this kind of, like, walk with a little bit of wiggle, you know, <laughs> as they're walking towards the stormtroopers. It's hilarious. Yeah. I like loth cats. They're, they're cool. I'm not, not anti-loth cat. There's, it was, I really liked it. There's allowed to be some cuteness in Star Wars. We'll see yeah. how we, we'll see how I do with the porgs when the last Jedi comes out. I think you're gonna like them. I think I will. I think it's the marketing of them that I have not liked. I think the over marketing of the of porgs has has soured me on them. But I think I will like them once I see the movie. <laughs> well, speaking of porgs, you got a porg tops trading card in your app did you not i did yes i was uh yeah so like we 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 had at the top of the show uh tops is our sponsor for this episode of star wars bookworms and i've been you know playing around with the card trader app and i've been trying to like get because you know the big thing is you're trying to get inserts right you know you can get the base cards but the base cards are pretty easy to get yeah but you want to get the inserts and so i pulled I was looking, I was trying to get, I forget the name of the, the set, but basically it was some um, characters from The Last Jedi, and I didn't even know which one was out at this time, but I started pulling packs, and right there on my screen pops up this little porg. And I was like, oh, I got a porg. I found a porg insert. Of course I did. <laughs> but it was really, it actually was pretty cool. Um, and I quickly screenshotted it and tweeted about it, because, uh, you know. People like the Porgs. Yeah, well, I finally just got in today, and I opened some packs for the first time, and it was it was very refreshing because I haven't opened packs in a really long time. And it was cool to go back through my old collection and see what I have and to realize that I really was invested in this. I have 20,000 cards. It's um, a lot. And 
Yeah, and my card score, so this is like the score of like how good your deck is, mm-hmm. is still in the 80s. <laughs> that just tells I'm, you... I'm pulling up mine now. I'm seeing where I, how I compare. That tells you how intense my collecting was because I got so many high-level inserts and completed collections and got awards back in the day when I was doing this hardcore. I'm looking I at was, my stats now. I was a little now. crazy. I have 22,489 cards. Okay, I have 20,416. And my score is 83.43. I'm an 82.97. You watch it. You oh, watch man. it. Next You're... time we record, I'm going to have a me? better score, score than you are. <laughs> but no. I opened up some packs today, and I, you know, I was reacquainting myself with the app, so it was a little bit different now from I had you know, had it before and Mm -hmm. it's a little different. And I found a pack in the Padawan store called Galactic Fun. And these are like character caricatures, cartoons of the Star Wars characters. They're actually kind of the same as the ones that were on the pins from Celebration. They're like the same artwork. Uh. And so I was they're only twenty five hundred credits and you get five cards. So I was like, well let me do this. And the inserts are you get one in ten and I got one I got a Han Solo one like the base color there's several different colors but I got one and I was like cool I got an insert hooray when did you do that today yeah today okay hmm. maybe I should recording. open a pack it's November 8th hey maybe you should do it do it alright I'm at, I'm at the store now I'm gonna open I'm gonna open a one pack okay live on the show alright you have to tell us what all the cards are that you get alright I'm confirming purchase getting pack all right, let's see here. First card, base card, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, look at that. What Second color? card is an insert. What is it? I got the Jawa Galactic Ah, how cool. <laughs> yeah, very cool. Um, let's see, what else do I get here? Luke Skywalker, base card, white. Uh, Boba Fett, base card, like kid Boba Fett. Mm. Base card, white. R2-D2, also white. Is white the lowest of yes. the base cards? Okay. Yeah, so oh, look at that. First pack I opened, I got a Galactic Fun insert. So That's really cool. Yeah, I actually got a. Uh, I got another really cool card today. It was, I'm trying to see if I can, well, I don't know where it is. I wouldn't know where to find it in the app, but I did take a screenshot of it so I can, because I had to. So I get back into this app and one of the first cards I pull is a base card white Darth Maul from Rebels. Oh nice. Yeah. I was like, ha ha I win. That's fitting. Yeah, that's fitting for you. It was it was pretty freaking I got great. some of the physical cards. Last time I was at Target I grabbed a pack. And, oh yeah. Uh, they have the 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 ones that like build a puzzle, which is one of the cool things about doing the physical because it's cool to have the digital app. It's also cool to do physical sometimes. Um just to kind of have them in your hand. And mm-hmm. they have the puzzle cards where, like, the back forms, like, an image. And then you have to put them all together. So you wouldn't be able to do that necessarily on the app. But so I got, I actually got, like, three puzzle cards that form, like, the bottom of the Last Jedi poster. So working on some of those, too. Yeah, I, I might grab a pack or two of those. So essentially, you can do all kinds of cool stuff. And you get to see some images of really cool characters and everything. So if you've never tried it. You should totally go and download the Star Wars Card Trader app. It is on the App Store and the Google Play Store, I guess. 
And there's lots of cards there, replicas of original cards that came out from tops, like actual physical cards, and all kinds of really cool things, lots of inserts. And then if you go and you to the store, like Aaron did, and pick up the regular physical cards, you'd be looking for the ones that are titled Journey to Star Wars The Last Jedi. And there's sticker cards, character cards, illustrated cards, signed cards, all kinds of stuff. Yes, definitely. So today we are actually going to review a novel and I because we never review a novel yeah we've been reviewing a lot of novels lately the um but I know in our last episode we said we were going to review the Darth Vader comics next and we were planning on doing that but we're actually going to switch it up because we want to do Phasma first so we're going to review Phasma this episode and then next episode we'll review the Darth Vader comics mm-hmm. so but we had we had put out on Facebook and Twitter asking our listeners for comments. So we did get some comments. We'll be reading some of those during our review. But I'm actually really excited to talk about this book. This is a this is a one that just came out and, you know, just it's only been out a couple months now. So it's still pretty fresh in our minds and uh, some pretty cool stuff in this one. Sure, cool's sure? a sure's cool. Yeah. Sure. Are you tipping your <laughs> hand? Was this not not one that you really? No, liked I really much? liked it. I don't know if I would call it cool stuff. I mainly because there's a lot of brutal, Gross. ruthlessness, <laughs> cruelty, violence. Yeah, people evaporating in this book. <laughs> there's stuff. Yeah. So let's. There's um... some weird, <laughs> some weird stuff. And Delilah Dawson. When we finally get to talk to you, my first question is going to be, what? What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did I did get to talk to her very briefly at um, Dragon Con, and I had just started the book, so I hadn't read all of it yet. But I did kind of talk to her about, like, kind of the way the story is being told from someone else's perspective. And I was like, that's a really interesting way to do the book. And she's like, oh, I'm glad you're enjoying it. But I hadn't gotten to any of the, cur- like, kind of more crazy stuff, so I didn't get to go, what? When I met her, so... <laughs> Next time, we will. Um, but yeah, so this is Star Wars Phasma, publisher Del Rey, author Delilah Dawson. This came out September 1st of this year, and it has been out long enough that we will be talking spoilers all throughout. So if you don't want to hear spoilers about this book, tune out and come back after you've read it. And I'm going to let you And there won't be do... much at the end, so you might just want to wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I'm going to let you do the publisher summary because I think I stole it from you maybe last time. I don't know, but this one's long, so I got it. Okay. Okay. Discover Captain Phasma's mysterious history in this journey to the Star Wars The Last Jedi novel. One of the most cunning and merciless officers of the First Order, Captain Phasma commands the favor of her superiors, the respect of her peers, and the terror of her enemies. But for all her renown, Phasma remains as virtually unknown as the impassive expression on her gleaming chrome helmet. Now an adversary is bent on unearthing her mysterious origins and exposing a secret she guards as zealously and ruthlessly as she serves her masters. Deep inside the battle cruiser Absolution, a captured resistance spy endures brutal interrogation at the hands of a crimson armored stormtrooper, Cardinal. 
but the information he desires has nothing to do with the Resistance or its covert operations against the First Order. What the mysterious Stormtrooper wants is Phasma's past, and with it whatever long-buried scandal, treachery, or private demons he can wield against the hated rival who threatens his own power and privilege in the ranks of the First Order. His prisoner has what Cardinal so desperately seeks, but she won't surrender it easily as she wages a painstaking war of wills with her captor, bargaining for her life in exchange for every precious revelation. The spellbinding chronicle of the inscrutable Phasma unfolds, but this knowledge may prove more than just dangerous once Cardinal possesses it and once his adversary unleashes the full measure of her fury. That's like basically the entire book. <laughs> well, like, there's, some right there. there's some details. Like, now that I, like, know what it is, I'm like, oh, I didn't even have to read it. <laughs> Not true. But really, but it's, it tells you a lot. Yeah. But only after you've read it. Right. So what were, so this one, I thought right off the bat, as soon as I started reading it, it wasn't at all what I expected. Because we're getting, like, this story about a resistance like agent that's captured and then you're hearing like phasma's story told from not even her perspective but like someone else's perspective through her yeah so the tory the the tory the storytelling was really cool i did like that it was almost like you were being told a story from you know that's been passed down from people to people you know very much as a legend would be you know what I mean so I did really like that I thought it was a really cool way to approach the story I will say the only thing that kind of bugged me every now and then and I did this by audiobook is every chapter was like on Parnassos 10 years ago I'm like okay (laughs) what why are we still there? Why is this the title of every chapter? Is that really the title? I need to actually get a physical book and look. I don't think it's a title more than just kind of setting the the location at the front of the chapter so you know like where everything's at going on. Because not only do they jump from the absolution to Parnosis, but they also jumped in time a little bit sometimes too. So I guess they wanted to make sure everybody kind of was aware of where everything stood. So it didn't get confusing. On Parnassus, 12 years ago. <laughs> I did some audiobook too. Um, I did some some of both. but January Lavoie is awesome. Yeah, Can the I audio. And she seems like she's doing. Because I think she did the Luke Skywalker book too. That's the one I'm listening to now. Um, On the Absolution. <laughs> but. Yeah, so we get Vi. I think was the was the Vi Marati. Yeah, she was she was great. I really like her character. Yeah, I liked her too. And we actually got an image of her on that poster that comes in in one of the books. Um, I forget which exclusive it came in, but um, we got to see kind of what she looks like. We got to see what Cardinal looks like. So this it was actually kind of cool to have these visuals. So as you're reading the book, you kind of already knew kind of how to visualize these characters true i'm looking i thought this one had i have the target one right here so the target one just has a picture of phasma uh, yeah, there was like target walmart i think barnes and noble there was like four different ones i think 
that you could get, but the yeah, one I had Vi so. in it. Yeah, I don't remember which one had what anymore. So like, this one has Cardinal. So because I have a Barnes and Noble and I have a Target, and apparently it's on the other side. So you get Phasma on one side. Oh, there's Vi. Oh, it's two sided. <laughs> It's two-sided. Okay. So the Target one has Vi, Marathi, mm-hmm. and then the Barnes & Noble one has Cardinal. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Vi was a really cool character. Uh, yeah, I really liked her a lot. I, I loved getting inside of her head and, like, really understanding why she was doing what she was doing and why she was playing things out the way she was playing them out. I will say I was a little disappointed because... I thought she was going to be one of the characters we hear a lot in the story is pregnant. And I thought she was going to be like her daughter and she wasn't. And I was bummed. <laughs> I never even, that didn't even cross my mind. Cause I think the time, the timeline probably wouldn't have fit right for that. Yeah, I know. But I was just like, you know, I didn't have, I'm li- audio booking it. So it's not like I was. Yeah. And you're not like timeline nerdy. Like, like I can be sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I think I mean that was so the character that was Siv, right? Was her name? Siv, yeah. Which I th- it was pretty interesting because when you when you get a novel titled Phasma, you almost expect that you're going to be getting the novel from Phasma's point of view, but we didn't get that at all. No, and I don't know if I really expected that to be honest. Yeah. I really didn't know what to expect of like where Phasma was going to come from, but I can tell you, I didn't expect anything that was in this book. Yeah, it was None. a lot different. There was there was nothing in this book that I could have even predicted would be a thing. Because when you see <laughs> yeah, when you see Phasma in the Force Awakens and you see kind of the First Order and and how they have, you know, because they do indicate like Finn being a stormtrooper had had been kind of taken in as a very young child, and we've been given hints of the stormtrooper program and how. You know, with the Servants of the Empire books that we read and um, the Aftermath books, like they kind of give us hints on how all that stuff works. So you just kind of think Phasma is just another character that was, you know, brought in maybe as a child and kind of brought up through the First Order, just like everybody else. But then you find out that has that's not the truth at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and that she's very disconnected from how everyone else kind of joined the First Order. Which makes kind of makes some sense, really, if you think about it, as far as her actions in The Force Awakens. No, it definitely does. It also explains more about General Hux, because we knew that this is kid Hux, not adult Hux. And, but we didn't really know much about him, and now we know that he's just a sick bastard. Are you talking about Brendel? No, kid Hux. Oh, you're talking. Oh, yeah, Armitage. Armitage. Yeah. <laughs> He's just a sick bastard, and I hate him even more than I already did. <laughs> yeah, they they definitely don't. Any of the first order characters that we come across in this novel are not, except for Cardinal. Except for Cardinal, he's the exception. But the rest, you're kind of just like, yeah, the bad the bad characters are being bad, and and we knew Brendel. We've seen Brendel and other stuff, mm-hmm. and he's one of those characters that, although has not yet made or probably will not make an appearance in the films he no, has been he's dead. yeah he <laughs> he has been mentioned a lot in the books and you know and featured in some of the books so it's a character that the the books have 
picked up and given us, you know, fleshed him out a little bit more. Um, but we never really knew quite what his relationship was with Armitage, and we knew there was some abuse, you know, earlier on. So maybe they didn't like each other that much. But now we we find out clearly that Armitage was not a fan of his dad, and actually was part of bringing his dad down. Um, so yeah, that was with pretty, the Beatles. What is with the Beatles? Why is it Scarab Beatles in the Mummy, and then it's these Beatles here? Only these Beatles are like way freaking worse, I think. Yeah, that's a that is kind of a common thing that you see in media, in books, or in, in like movies and TV and stuff. You always have these these type of beetles that come and consume people. Um, there was actually I mean, an then they didn't of, like consume people. They just turn them into liquid water and they just evaporate and die. Well, that's if they only just bit you. But they, I think they were kind of like they would tear you apart if if they did more than bite you. Well, they would, like, if you were dead and if you were laying on the ground and bleeding, they would come and, like, scavenge your... Yeah, they were terrifying. I yeah. forget what they were called. What was the name? Do you remember? Beetles. Beetles, yeah. <laughs> I don't think they could. <laughs> well, maybe. But, yeah, they were... There were a lot of things in this book that were just right on the edge of, like, gross out, like, a little more than maybe I would have wanted, but it was still kind of cool. Um, and the Beatles were very cool, but then, like, some of the other stuff... Like what the Beatles did to you when you got bit, and you basically like slowly your body just kind of slowly slowly, de- slowly deteriorate from the inside out until your inner organs are dried up little shriveled. But like it things. made their skin like translucent, and they kind of yeah because they were they and... were literally disappearing into water. They like swelled up, and then you and then exploded into a big <laughs> you just popped like a bubble like a water, water. balloon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> it's like maybe the worst way you could possibly die. I don't know. We'd have to ask Beth Revis about that. I think she might have some idea. Yeah, maybe, maybe Beth Revis and Delilah, and Delilah Dawson have some kind of competition going on how how gruesome they can kill people. But <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was uh, and that's I mean that's pretty much how Brendel ends up dying too, which is you know he ends up in a back to tank, but it didn't save him. Well, no, he just turns into the back to tank. What did you think about? Yeah, that's such an image. There's like a person in there. Then you turn around to do something, and you come back. No more person. That's pretty Just much what happened. Some yeah. stuff hanging out in the bottom, like trash. What? Yeah. So. Gross. Oh, it's so gross. But you know what makes it even more tragic? Because the first one who dies, Car, I really liked him. And he was funny, and I wish he would have stuck around for more of the book because I think he would have given it a little bit more life. But maybe it was supposed to be dark and sad. Yeah, I think the the characters that were kind of the nice characters were the ones that ended up, you know, dying. And I and yeah, in the end, just... dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and what this book really does reveal is, you know, who Phasma really is, which I think. That is one thing I really like about this book is we get to learn more about her character, but she's not she's not some kind of heroic, misunderstood character that just, you know, happens to be on the bad side, but there's some nobility involved, you know, like kind of the way that someone like Thrawn was was portrayed. Like we're just getting a bad character that's really bad. Like she's there's nothing really good about her at all. She betrays her own people, she kills people ruthlessly, she's she's an amazing fighter. And like that, and she has awesome armor, but there's really nothing good about her. No, she's a 
B word. She's bad. Yeah, B bad. She's B bad. She's a bad. She's a bad she's a, bad person. She's a brutal bad bad. Right. Bad person. <laughs> well, let's see. Uh, speaking of the word brutal, uh, one of our readers or listeners, John Rosmurek, said one word: brutal. Mm-hmm. And he's right because it is. I do want to point out something that Kai Charles said because I feel like this book was really slow to begin with. You had to, you had to stick with it, and you had to kind of like push through the beginning and get to where the story really started to pick up. But she said, I really had to surrender with this book. And when I did, I really enjoyed how Dawson guided readers through her world building. I also loved how the structure of the novel was so different than what has come before. And I think that is really important because I also feel like I had to just surrender to what was being told to me because I do the audiobook. And just say, okay, it's different, it's different. And then suddenly it just became really cool and normal. Yeah. Yeah, it took me a while to get used to the way the book, the story was being presented um, through someone else's perspective. And I was kind of like, okay, this is interesting, not what I was expecting. And then you get to talking about the planet that that Phasma's on. And I actually always thought that Phasma's name was going to be kind of like, her name was Phasma almost as like a a title, or not a title, but like something that people would call her, but that wasn't like her birth name. Mm-hmm. But then to find out that was actually her real name was, was not what I expected. But the fact that she came from this planet that's some anti- or post-apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic type of scenario where they're, they're living in this very kind of brutal, um, no-technology type of you know have to barely survive it was just not at all what i thought but it's okay that it wasn't what i thought because you know that's you know i was happy to be surprised yeah and the planet itself was very interesting but come to find out that there was technology there and there were there like there was like this whole world there before the planet that we're introduced to and this is parnassus and it's crazy to me that this mining guild came there and did all this stuff and essentially nuked the planet mm-hmm. and killed like everything, all the progress, all the technology, everything. And then what we get is these clans like living inside rock hills, <laughs> which it's weird, which even Delilah Dawson herself said it's kind of like Mad Max in Star Wars. See, and I don't really understand that reference at all because I've never seen Mad Max and I have no interest in seeing it. So I'm not really sure what that really even means. Right. And I've never, I've seen like the old school Mad Max back in the day, but I haven't seen the new one that that came out. Um, So I get the reference and I know what she's talking about. But at the same time, and I, I think Kai Charles actually said this as well, where she said she didn't like the words Mad Max got dropped into the public's consciousness. I didn't pick up that vibe at all. So she's kind of, it sounds like Kai kind of is like you. She wasn't really associating it with that. And I almost wish I never heard that either because Mm -hmm. as I was reading it, that's not how I was picturing certain things. But then once I heard Delilah Dawson actually use the term Mad Max, suddenly it changed the way I was seeing things. And I was like, oh, I almost wish I didn't have that baggage when I was reading it. Yeah. Well, luckily for me, I don't know what that means. Yeah. So you you didn't get that same issue, that same problem. Um, 
But a couple more comments here. I'm going to see this one from Kelly Shannon. Um, says, I love the Phasma novel. It gave, gave great insight, insightful into her personality. It makes what she did at Starkiller Base make sense. The Phasma comic feels like a perfect companion piece to the novel. I actually haven't started reading the comics yet. Have you? Mm-mm, okay. No. Yeah, so I'm not sure the tie in there. But she says, the, the line that she says here, where it says, makes sense what she did at Starkiller Base. Do you, did you pick up on that, or did you feel like the the novel shed a little bit of light on her actions? I mean, all she did at Starkiller Base was get thrown into a into a garbage chute. Yeah, I think so, no. a lot of people had an issue with how easily she gave up and kind of, um, you know, shut down the shield. And I think what a lot of people that read this book felt like it actually helped explain her willingness to kind of turn on the First Order so quickly. Because in, throughout the entire oh, okay, novel... okay, okay, I see that. Because she has no allegiances to anybody. She, right. Her allegiance is to her survival. So whatever it allows her to survive. Okay, yeah. I can see that. Yeah, and I kind of agree. I, I hadn't really thought about that, but um, I've, I've, I've heard a lot of people kind of make that commentary. I'm like, oh yeah, that does kind of make sense because even though I don't think she's turning on the First Order, she just wanted to survive the scenario she was in at that moment just to get through it and then probably later on going to figure out how to cover her tracks because she's really good at doing that we've seen she's she was able to you know assassinate someone essentially um very high up in the first order and still cover her tracks so this is something that i think the first order is not even going to realize that she's the one that took the shields down or they don't care well yeah there won't be too many survivors i guess to catch her from that from from that base basically no there won't yeah, but I, I get it now. Although, I don't know if that really explains it all for me. I mean, okay. It's sure. a nice thought. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. All right, well, let's talk about Cardinal for a minute. Because I actually really grew to like this character a lot. Yeah, me too. There, were, I had issues a little with his, his jealousy. He seemed to kind of be a bit insecure and jealous about Phasma. And I was kind of just like, come on, dude. <laughs> have a little bit of self-confidence but i did really start to like him a lot and especially by the end because he really wasn't you know he did get bested by phasma mm-hmm. in many ways um and i think he felt that happening and, and he he didn't want to accept it but you could see that he wasn't like a lot of the the other people in the first order and i liked to even some of the we got the, some of the reveal about his own past and his childhood too which helped helped kind of explain things yeah, but you know what's interesting to me with him is that he believes in this First Order the way that some people used to like really believe in the Empire. And he believes in all this stuff and he he learns that what he believes in really isn't true. You know, that they are actually just a bunch of jerks. And he almost, I almost felt like he was like ready to defect but at the same time probably didn't have the courage to. But at the end, you know, Vi comes in and actually saves him because he ends up with in a fight with Phasma, and Phasma basically dooms him to die. And Vi Marathi comes and she actually saves him. I would be curious to see if we just see, like, a reference to him in one of the movies. If they use his regular name or, like, something like that would be really cool. Yeah, that would be... I think, um, you know, he, he went to face off against Phasma, and I think that was his way of, he didn't want to 
be a part of the First Order anymore, but he wasn't ready to defect either. Mm-hmm. And so I think he just thought, you know what, let me go and do my best to stop her, knowing that he probably wasn't going to survive. Um, but then he does end up surviving with Vi's help. And now it's kind of like, oh, that would be really cool if if he is revived and does end up joining the Resistance, which I think is probably where they're going with it. Mm-hmm. And with these books, especially with the title, you know, Journey to the Last Jedi, they do sometimes drop in little hints, you know, little names of planets or names of characters that we will eventually see. So it's not, you know, it's not outside of the realm of possibility that I don't think he would have a big role, but I could definitely see maybe a, a background character or even just a mention of his name um, popping up in the film. That would be kind of cool. I would really like that. And I really liked how he was a part of the First Order, but he was also very human. And he wasn't just like a machine, although there were things about him that were part of the First Order Stormtrooper machine. But it's like he was coming out of it almost like Finn was. You know, and like having this realization that everything isn't great and perfect. And he really did care about the kids that he was raising to become stormtroopers. And he was really getting concerned about he's, you know, raising these kids essentially to give them to Phasma. And then she just turns them into killers. Right. And he himself was brought up through that program, you mm-hmm. know, coming from Jakku. And I remember Everybody reading, comes from Jakku these days. <laughs> I remember reading, um, aftermath where they were talking about some of the young kind of, you know, kids that were growing up on that planet that were almost like feral, you know, children living on, living off of scraps. And, you know, they kind of brought them in and, uh, you know, brought them in and as they're escaping Jakku after the Battle of Jakku. And I kind of almost wondered if he was one of those kids. Mm-hmm. I bet he was. Yeah. It would make sense. Very cool tie-in. They've been doing a good job with that stuff. You know, the, some of the characters. They even mentioned um, Admiral Sloan at one mm-hmm. point. Although yeah, they, that was cool, too. They kind of indicated she was no longer around, but they did they did mention her. Yeah, so Amanda Reynolds says, This book to me is the most conflicting book in canon so far. It's not at the bottom, but it's close. It's not because of the writing or the story, but because of the Mad Max setting. There's more Mad Max. And the evolution of Phasma. Getting through the desert sections felt like a chore to me, but everything else around it, the frame, Phasma's friend's point of view, Cardinal, the writing, etc., were fantastic. Unfortunately, they didn't make up for what the Mad Max parts brought down for me. It is still a fantastically written book, but it's not my cup of tea. Phasma is a despicable heel. <laughs> wrestling term and these and this book achieves not only the goal of making you dislike her but the goal of making you fear for our heroes in the last jedi she makes a great point in that and she says p.s i really hope dj is cardinal hey he's probably not yeah i'm gonna go and say i'm not gonna get on that <laughs> that, that <laughs> train I th- i don't think that's the case but I think she is right in saying it does really make me concerned about that scene we see between her and Finn. Because she'll do anything. She doesn't care. And this whole, now this Mad Max thing is starting to bug me. <laughs> <laughs> and now, aren't you wishing you never saw it? Yeah, um, kind of. I mean, you probably at least saw the previews for Mad Max, right? So you kind of get yeah, the idea of the desert motif. Of, and the... Yeah, but I don't understand what it means. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and you know, she Amanda Reynolds does say you kind of fear for our heroes, and specifically for Finn, because we know he's going to face off against her. We saw it in the trailer, but 
Um, I think Finn can hold his own. He, he did pretty well against Kylo Ren as well. So I think uh, it, it might actually be a pretty good fight. She's probably got like poison tip, you know, on on the end poison of that spear. Tipped, so. Yeah, like spears and knives and beetles and boxes and all kinds of weird crap. Yeah, if somebody up? gets bitten by a beetle in The Last Jedi, I'm going to freak out. This is not going to happen. I hope not. <laughs> it won't. It, it'll, that's, that's just in this book. <laughs> Uh, so Scott Johnson says she was a very different character than I expected. Me too. I don't know what I expected, but it wasn't this. The entire novel was different than I expected in that it was primarily flashbacks. I wanted to learn more about time period around the Force Awakens, specifically about the First Order and Snoke, but its focus was limited to just Phasma. Well, Scott, the book is titled Phasma. That's true. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean they kind of tipped us off. I don't know what to say other than that, you know, this was an origin story for her. This was for all the people that were wanting more Phasma, wanting to know more about Phasma, wanting to understand her, and just, you know, didn't get enough in The Force Awakens because nobody did. She was in it for two seconds. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what were some of the... Okay, so there were some pretty cool moments as... So she basically betrays her all of her people. Once, yeah. Once Brendel shows up and she realizes there's this force that she can partner with that's going to help her maybe get off the planet, she just kind of like, screw the rest of you guys. I'm going to leave you behind and actually participates in the destruction of her people, which is pretty, I mean, it's pretty despicable. Um, but then they go on this trek because they're trying to get to the crash ship. And mm-hmm. so they're going on this trek and they're kind of running into different obstacles as they go. One of the coolest or at least more unique things that happened is they come up against this this city um, of people where it's kind of this bizarre, like there's some godlike character, but you don't really see them. And there's this leader that's in these weird robes and all of that and this gladiatorial ring. And that was a very interesting but very cool part of this book. Yes, but you know what's weird when I read that, it was after I had either right before or after I'd seen Thor Ragnarok. Oh yeah, and I yeah. was like, weird. Similar. Yeah. It was so similar to when Thor meets the Hulk in the gladiator type ring situation, and that whole okay. The another thing, the the oct the what is it? The oh my gosh. Whatever the head guy was called, yeah, you know the person they were worshiping. It reminded me very much of like when when Jesus goes to, all right, he leaves Pontius Pilate and he goes to what's the king's name? Naaman? No, not Naaman. That's a different part of the Bible. That's a different part of the Bible. No, oh. <laughs> the, uh, Herod. No. Yes, yeah, like Herod? a King yeah. Herod style situation. I was like, "What is this?" And it mostly what I picture is from like Jesus Christ Superstar the musical. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like this whole. It was like this whole like, weird thing, and I was just like, "I don't know what's happening right now." There's too much weird imagery happening that's coming into my Star Wars. I don't know. I don't get it. <laughs> I totally get the the Thor Ragnarok comparison, although obviously you know she wrote this book way before that movie came out, so it's just coincidence. But yeah, I was actually thinking about that earlier today. Some of the scenes, especially even like kind of the bizarre leader 
you know, and his kind of weird That's what I'm talking about. The bizarre and, leader is like King yeah, Herod. Yeah. It's freaking weird. Yeah, I could, well, yeah. I've never seen Jesus Christ Superstar, but I have read that story in the Bible. So I, I get the, I guess I kind of do King get King Herod's very eccentric for, for that time frame. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the, but that scene, I remember you even, I don't know, you text me or call me or something after you read this part of the book, but you basically the scene where Phasma is there and then she basically just jumps up into the stands and like beheads him. Oh yeah. What like is that about? So cool though, because I was not expecting it at all. And when it happened, I was just like, wow. Like as much as I was angry at Phasma because she's a despicable character, that was pretty BA. <laughs> it was. That's true. It's true. No, I'm your leader. <laughs> and she just took over. Yeah. It's like, okay. But then just left them all to die, just like everybody else. Of course. Of course she did. Because they were not, they were a means to get her where she was trying to go to. They kept getting captured by people. That kind of bugged me, too. I was like, why do you guys just keep getting captured by all these different weird people who live here well can we talk about the psycho droids sure yeah the the thank the creators <laughs> those droids creeped me out yeah yeah they That's had all i really wanted to say they yeah, just really I don't, creeped I don't me really out anything to add to that but yeah they're they, it was almost like they were progressing through stages and i hate to compare it to like a video game but you feel like you almost feel like you know stage one she's at the the place and has to defeat the other tribe but then she meets brendel and you know it's just almost like you're progressing through not like a typical like have to fight bosses type of video game but almost like a one of those um telltale games type stories mm-hmm. where you're kind of going through one thing next thing next thing and it just seemed like the book progressed in these very specific chunks of almost like you could break it down into episodes like you this could have been like a tv show with like five episodes yeah um but yeah she had to you know the robots and then the city that they came up against and they came up against the um that kind of like guardian guy the gand the the gand yeah what in the world was that thing yeah that kind of which um which if you know the bounty hunter zuckus Mm. it's like the same species as him but, yeah, so that was that was kind of interesting too, kind of bizarre. But he's like guarding this certain area that they're not supposed to pass. But there's radiation going on there, so it's, so it's kind of protecting them. But they still know they got to get past him. Um, a lot of, but it was like I was just I just went with it. At certain at one point in this book, I was just like, this is really bizarre, but I'm just gonna go with it because it's actually very entertaining. Yeah, that's where I had to get to too. Just just ride along with it. Just go with it. And once I once I did that, it was really easy to digest and to get invested in. I really liked the character of Torben and Siv, both of them. Mm-hmm. I love them both. And I was so sad that Torben actually died. Um Siv was interesting. The whole idea of the detractors and the oh, yeah. you know, to suck the essence out of people so that you can turn it into like your war paint or whatever was like kind of weird, but I totally understood it. It totally made sense. It was very tribal. Um, and it definitely seems like something that somebody would do. Yeah. That was in that situation. Like people who don't have technology or whatever, they have to find their own medicines. Uh, so I totally got that. And it was, it was interesting, but Siv was a very complex character, but one that I really, really enjoyed. 
And I hope that Phasma doesn't go try to kill her. And I hope that Vi and Cardinal get her and help her. And her kid, yeah. And her kid. Yeah. Torby. Siv was definitely the focus character pretty much of the almost the entire novel. Mm-hmm. Um, you're hearing everything more from her perspective, um, which, you know, you, you almost kind of see her as the main character and you're, you're rooting for her because she is the one with a conscience and actually like she's appalled by the stuff that Phasma's doing because she did see she saw Phasma as a leader and very much respected Phasma, but then quickly realized that Phasma was just out for herself and that Phasma was trying to kill her as well at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, left her there to die, which was you know pretty sad. And I think Phasma's idea was to go back and finish her off, and I, I don't think she got around to it. But um, she did go back to the planet and make her own army armor, though. Yeah, now we know where the chrome armor came from. It was from using technology from Cotton Star Mining Corporation to create her armor, and she basically copied the armor into you know from the white plastoid into this chrome armor which she got from the wrecked like naboo uh ship yeah emperor palpatine's used to be like yacht right and i remember reading as creepy af and also makes so much sense why she's crazy because she has palpatine juice in her armor and it's like (laughs) in her (laughs) dark force essence surrounding her it's the, so nasty. The oh, um, <laughs> um, I do remember reading that in I think it was the Force Awakens visual guide when they the section on Phasma they mentioned that her armor was made out of like the plating from Emperor Palpatine's you know shuttle or something. And I was like, that's kind of an interesting fact, but they didn't give any more detail than that. And then this book kind of fills in more of the detail. Like Hux was the one that was actually using the shuttle at the time and crashed it, and then she went back and got it that way. So, uh, so yeah, was... but freaking, I mean, you know how like I don't know. If this is like a not necessarily a karma thing, but just something that I believe in. And he was there, so his essence is in his ship. So it's therefore in the plating of the ship, and then she makes it into armor and puts it on, and it's like seeping into her skin. Yeah, I get that. Do, ah. So, did this novel now that Phasma? Because we saw Phasma in the Force Awakens. I think we both have kind of admitted we weren't thrilled uh, that she didn't really no, do much. No, no, but you always put it that way. I'm just, I'm not thrilled with the people who made the movie. Not, okay. not her. Like she was great in everything that she was in. I loved her in the film. I, I absolutely, really just love this idea of a chrome female BA stormtrooper. What I don't love is how she was treated by the creators and that she got little to no time at all. Well, right. But the character is the character. So what we got in the film is, you know, we can't, no. we're not writing the story. No. <laughs> okay. So you were disappointed. <laughs> for me, like, you weren't disappointed. For me, it's like, thanks movie maker people. You suck. You weren't disappointed in Phasma. You were disappointed in how she was used. Yes. Okay. Good. I, I agree. Same, I have the same opinion. But now we know she's going to be in The Force Awakens. We hope she has a more prominent role. We know she's going to fight Finn. We see that. Do you th- look at the character differently after reading the novel? Yeah, I want her to die. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I do. I want her to die. Uh, and I want her to, I want Finn to do whatever Finn's going to do and take her down. But as someone in our, let's see, Donnie Spiker in our group says, based on the book, I can't see Finn winning the fight. And John says, right, considering she killed her whole planet and committed genocide single-handed. Points made. I mean, I'm she, a little afraid for Finn. I Yeah, I'm definitely afraid for Finn, but we, we've seen, you know, in the past that weaker characters, and not that Finn's a weak character, but he's probably weaker than Phasma, can still prevail, you know, through ingenuity and luck and the force intervening. So, I, you know, I, I don't think that he's going to get taken out by Phasma. But I don't necessarily think he's going to take her out either. She, we may see her actually in all three of the, the movies, you know, in this trilogy. So she may survive this movie. Mm-hmm. But I really do hope she gets more screen time. Um, but I w- I'm with you. I think ultimately I wouldn't mind seeing her die, especially after reading this book. And just... If anyone deserves uh, um, to pay to pay for her sins, it's it's Phasma. Oh yeah, she totally needs to. Man, I don't know what else I can say other than beetles suck, <laughs> sand gets everywhere, <laughs> and on Parnassos, on ten Parnassus. years ago, <laughs> on the absolution, on the absolution. But like I said, January Lavoie did a great job. I really liked the audiobook a lot. It was it was really well done. It was really well done. Yes, very very good. Uh audiobook was great. Novel was was great as well. Um yeah, I think overall this one for me was, you know, it took a little bit of time for me to kind of get into it and kind of and just let myself go and kind of fall into the story. But mm-hmm. once I did, I, I kind of just went with it, and it was a lot of fun. Very different than what I expected. Very different than things we've gotten before with Star Wars novels. But I like that Delilah Dawson didn't shy away from kind of doing some stuff that was way outside of the box. Yeah, and I really liked Delilah Dawson's writing. I mean, like I said, it was it was kind of slow to begin with, and that could be improved a little bit but the way she approached the story and from the point of view that it came from and everything else like I loved it and I also love what you just said exactly that's exactly it she just said you know what I'm gonna go there and she did some crazy weird stuff that actually fit perfectly into Star Wars which is so cool that it was like perfect it was a perfect match but also really weird and not what you would expect but a pleasant pleasant surprise for me anyway and i care about some of these characters which is is a lot of times for me a sign of how much i really enjoy a novel is do i want to hear more about these characters and i would love to see characters like civ like cardinal mm-hmm. like vi show up in other stuff and i think they might you know the they seem to be be very popular characters we know that vi and cardinal are with the resistance at this time and there's more stories to be told so why not have more adventures with them so yeah, I th- I do like these characters. Good, very good additions to the canon. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Well, I think we can say positively we like it. It's good. It's good stuff. And I don't know where it would rank. Um, we'll have to revisit our rankings soon, but I don't know where it would rank for me. But it was definitely a more pleasant read than some of the books we've had. Yeah, I th- yeah, it probably is about time. I think we've reviewed maybe three or four novels since we did our ranking, so that we we have to kind of slot those in. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe next episode we can do that. Yeah. But this would definitely fall for me very much on the top top half at least, if not maybe even in the top five. Yeah, but, somewhere in the somewhere in the top half uh, for me as well. I did really like it. And I would love to see a Delilah Dawson write more books. Um, I do know that, you know, from a certain point of view, we haven't talked about that yet. We are still trying to figure out how we're going to tackle that. We may just do like a couple of short stories here and there uh, on different episodes and just kind of review a few at a time. Because that book is, I feel like, is one we just need to do in chunks. That it's not like a to, yeah to try to it tackle would, it all with one, in one episode. There was too much stuff that happens. Like yeah. you need to do it like just a couple stories at a time. But on our next show, we are going back to comics. We are going to do the Darth Vader uh, volume three and volume four next up, and then we also are going to talk a little bit about the oh, what is that book called? Is it the Ultimate Star Wars Visual? Guide and Lego or something? Ultimate Lego Star Wars. Ultimate Lego Star Wars. We're going to... We both received that book, and it's awesome and gorgeous and amazing, which is a little bit why we talked about Lego at the top of the show. We're going to talk about that book and pull some things out of it that we really like that you guys should check out. Okay. Sounds good. All right. So between now and then, you can find us on Twitter. We are at SWBookworms. You can email us, StarWarsBookworms at gmail.com. And we are on Facebook, facebook.com slash Star Wars Bookworms. Yes, and thank you everyone from our group who sent in messages. I know it was last minute that we were asking for them, so thanks for doing that. Um, And you can join our Facebook group if you would like. Send us a message or head over there and send us a request to join the group and answer a couple questions and we'll get you in. Um, You can also check out our Goodreads page. We are finishing up our discussion on Inferno Squad and then now that we're in November... We're going to jump into uh, Leia, Princess of Alderaan. will be the next thing we talk about over there. So um, jump in, join in on the conversation. We have a lot of threads going on over there about a number of books that we've reviewed. You can find us on iTunes. Uh, you can find all of our episodes there. You can leave us a review there. Uh, if you listen to our show and you like it, we'd love for you to leave us a nice review. You can find Teresa on Instagram and Twitter at IceColdPenguin. I am at AVGoins. So until next time, keep on reading and may the force be with you.